God the Father planned our redemption from eternal ages, God the Son accomplished the work of our redemption, and God the Holy Spirit completes our salvation by drawing us and transforming us to love the gospel and the God who gave us the gospel. Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast. Hey, welcome to the No Podcast Show. My name is Isaac, your host, and with me today is the alluring, charming, and fascinating Sean Whitsky. Oh gosh, <laughs> how are you? Thank you. I'm, I'm doing. I'm doing good. It's 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 a good day. It's nice and warm outside in the yep. Vancouver sun. Yeah. And uh, but we're in an office right now. We are recording in an office. it up, so no sun. Yeah. No sun. But how, how have you been for like the last few weeks? How have I been? I've been pretty uh independent and autonomous and pretty on my own okay so yeah and how is that treating you treating me pretty well good um i got something exciting to say okay um well it's not really exciting it's just new but i've been getting heartburn a lot lately and it's because i'm eating too large quantities of food too quickly and was that was that self-discovery like oh i think i'm i'm eating too much or did you go to the doctor i didn't go to the doctor but i'm realizing that after i'm eating large quantities of fatty or sugary foods or acidic foods mm. really quickly mm. i'm getting the hydrochloric acid in my stomach is just, rising up into yeah. my esophagus and it's just burning rising. yeah yeah which is really really uh i hate that that's the worst uh what side is i think if you sleep on your left side you won't get heartburn because like your stomach Oh, interesting. Like scoops yeah, yeah. in. So like if you get heartburn, you're on you're on the wrong side of the okay. bed. Yeah. Good to know. Thank over. you. I yeah. actually I needed something about sleeping, so that actually really helps. Yeah, man. WebMD. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about the WebMD. Oh, uh, hey, so we're finishing a series uh this week called This Is the Gospel, in which we've kind of gone through an episode on each sort of major topic of the gospel. So we've looked at God, we've looked at man, sin. Jesus last week, and then this week we're looking at the Holy Spirit. And we're actually going to be listening to Dr. John as he sort of teaches on God the Spirit when he uh, talked about that on his series called This Is Our God, not to be confused with This Is the Gospel. Mm. But anyways, we're going to listen to that, then we'll come back and we'll chat about that. Cool. We've made the point that the Holy Spirit is not a power or a force, but a real person. But does that prove that he is God? What does the Bible say about him? Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, first, let's notice that many of the attributes that are attributed to God alone are attributed to the Holy Spirit. In Psalm 139, verses 7 to 10, David says, Where shall I flee from your spirit? See, throughout this study, we've noticed that many of the attributes of God are exclusive attributes of God. That is, there are some things that are true of God that are not and cannot be true of any other thing. God is one, true of none other. God is eternal, true of none other. God is omnipresent, and by that meaning that God is present to all spaces at all times, even while he remains distinct from the creation, that can only be said of the one true God. And so, if we can never flee from the Holy Spirit, for he is already present wherever we go, clearly, when David speaks of the Holy Spirit, he must be speaking of God. Learn to read your Bible by paying attention to what is said of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? 
Now, clearly, from that passage, we can see that we have a verse that mentions all three persons of the Trinity. When the passage mentions God, it's speaking of God the Father. When the passage mentions Jesus the Son, it's speaking of him offering himself up on the cross to his Father. And when it speaks of the Spirit, it speaks of the power of the one who enabled Jesus as a man to act in such a sacrificial manner. But notice when the writer of the Hebrews speaks of the Holy Spirit, he calls him the eternal spirit. No, the Holy Spirit did not come into being. He eternally exists. There has never been a time when the Holy Spirit was not there. His life is non-derived life. He exists of necessity. To say this of the Holy Spirit is to say of him that which can only be said of the eternal God. Or consider 1 Corinthians 2 verse 11. No one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, by now, if you've been listening to this series, it should now be second nature that when you read God, we're speaking of God the Father. And as we've seen, the Father gives leadership. But here we're told no one comprehends the thoughts of God the Father except the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, we might ask, does the Son not also comprehend the thoughts of the Father? And the answer to that would be, well, yes, he does. So why does 1 Corinthians 2.11 say that this is exclusive to the Holy Spirit? Well, that's because of the context of this passage. You know, in the passage, we're told that the testimony of the gospel, the wisdom of God expressed in the cross, is a wisdom that can come to us from only one source, and that source is through the Holy Spirit. And then we're asked, what is unique about the Holy Spirit? And the answer is, only he knows all the thoughts of God the Father. That means only he as opposed to any human, like the Greek philosophers or the Jewish rabbis spoken of in this passage. What makes the Holy Spirit unique is that he has a full or a comprehensive knowledge of everything that the Father knows. Whatever the Father knows, and he knows everything, the Holy Spirit knows this as well. And so with just a bit of careful Bible study, we should see that whether we're speaking of God's eternal being or of his omnipresence or of his omniscience, or we could go on to speak of his power and wisdom, all attributes unique to God the Father are also applied to the Holy Spirit. And therefore, it becomes obvious that if the Holy Spirit is indeed a person, he must be none other than God himself. And so we're brought again to the mystery of the nature of God. There is but one God, and this one God is different from any other thing in all of his creation, for this one God eternally exists as three distinct persons. The three persons are the one God. And if we struggle to understand that, this is simply because the one God is different from all other things, and the one God is greater than we can imagine. But what does the Holy Spirit uniquely do? You know, as we've seen in our study, God the Father planned our redemption from eternal ages. God the Son accomplished the work of our redemption by becoming a man and by perfectly obeying the Father in his death on the cross. And God the Holy Spirit completes our salvation by drawing us and transforming us to love the gospel and the God who gave us the gospel. But there's still more to be said about the unique role that the Holy Spirit plays in the economy of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit uniquely reveals the presence of God to the world and especially to the church. The word that's often used is the word manifest. Imagine, if you will, a play being acted out on a stage. 
You hear the voices, you hear the actions, the movements on the stage, and the drama becomes apparent. But imagine that the lights in the auditorium are turned very low, so low you can hardly see what's going on. And then suddenly, the lights go on fully, and now you can clearly see that which is happening. In Job 9, Job is speaking about the actions of God. In verses 4 and 5, he says, Who has hardened himself against God and succeeded? And then Job says, God removes mountains and they know it not. Indeed, not only are the mountains unaware of God, but people also may experience the activity of God and still remain completely unaware that it is God who's doing it. That's because they can't see God. And then in verse 11, Job adds another thought. Behold, he passes by me and I see him not. He moves on, but I do not perceive him. See, the human senses are unable to observe God. And this we know of God. He is utterly sovereign. He raises up kings and deposes them. And most of the world of men and women are completely unaware that he has done it. He has created this world. And there are scientists who will spend their entire lives fascinated by the wonder of creation and never notice the one who made it. Furthermore, God calls every human being to account for all their actions and many are completely unaware that he has reserved a day of judgment in their future. And finally, God sent his own son into the world, and as John tells us, he came to those who were his own, but his own did not receive him. Indeed, all the works of God, which are glorious, need no more than to be observed by God and to be delighted in by God. After all, God has created wonders on planets and galaxies that no human eye has ever observed, and God has made these things for his pleasure alone. Listen to what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in John 15, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Witness to whom? And the answer, to us. I want to go back to the image I gave earlier, that of the image of a blackened stage in which a drama is taking place. The stage is blackened from our eyes, but not from the eyes of God. Even the drama of God sending his own son into the world could be blackened from our eyes forever, and God would still find it beautiful, for as Romans 3 reminds us so clearly, Jesus' death on the cross demonstrated the righteousness of God. God himself would have been glorified in the death of Jesus, even if no human eye would have found it wonderful. But the unique role of the Holy Spirit is such a gracious role for us. He who knows the mind of the Father flipped on the floodlights, and suddenly those of us in the audience saw the nature of the play that the Father had designed for his glory. And as the lights came on, we rose to our feet, for the beauty of the God who exists is overwhelming beyond degree. Who turned on those lights and let us see? And that's why all of those who are filled with the Holy Spirit find the Father to be their highest joy and the Son to be the passion of their lives. See, we can't take our eyes off of the glory that has been revealed. The Holy Spirit shed the spotlight on the Father and the Son. No one else could. Were it not for him, none of us would delight ourselves in God. Thank you, God the Holy Spirit. That was Dr. John Newfeld talking about God as spirit. What are your thoughts on that? 
I actually have a quote here, but by the way, just because you're saying like, how are you? And like I'm autonomous and independent stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that, that's cause I moved out just so like people don't think I'm yeah. weird. Like it's, I'm right. not, I like, knew that, but you know, the listeners didn't know that. Yeah, so. You were supposed to ask me I'm like, supposed to ask why? You, why are you <laughs> feeling so autonomous? <laughs> but we just moved on. We did move so on. So I moved out. Um, yeah. yeah. So for listeners. Well, that's good. Case, yeah. Sean's moved out everyone. <laughs> Thank you guys. Okay. Um, no, that was, uh, that was really good. John's a really good Bible teacher. I actually have a quote here that I think that plays off to what he was saying at the very end by C.S. Lewis mm-hmm. out of uh, his book, his actual sermon, The Weight of Glory. And it goes like this. It says, we do not want to merely see beauty. We want something else which we can hardly put into words to be united with the beauty we see, to pass into it and to receive it into ourselves, to bathe in it, to become a part of it. Hmm. And how, uh, I think he was getting at how we can't just, especially like beholding God and yeah. like John's talking about like our, our affections for the father and to like love the son and how the spirit puts those desires into us and actually enters Enables into us. us. Yeah. And how that's very similar and how like our hope isn't just in being with God and being with beauty. Right. It's that it's that God is actually entering into us and making us beautiful and actually allowing us to like commune with him in mm-hmm. this deeper way. Um, like you can, you know, only appreciate a song so much. You can't, you can't really be a part of a song unless like you're singing along and being a part of the song and how like right. God's like inviting us into the dance. Yeah. Not to like just watch the dance, like, oh, hey, yeah, there's the Trinity doing its thing, but yeah. it's actually like the Holy Spirit's in us. So like we're a part of this yeah. thing now, which it's is like not, not, on, not only do we get to see it more clearly and he enables us to actually, he reveals to us the mm-hmm. beauty of everything, but we actually become a part of it. Yeah, we become yeah. a part of the beauty. And yeah. I, yeah, I think that's something that actually sets like Christianity apart from mm-hmm. pretty much any any other religion. Yeah, definitely. And I think even like John talks about the illustration of you know, you're, you're, you're in an audience watching a play mm-hmm. and it's all dimmed lighting. Mm-hmm. And then the Holy Spirit enables you, like, it's like the floodlights come on and you're able to actually see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Well, it's almost as if we're taking that illustration further where it's like, now we're getting out of our seat and walking up and now we're going to be on the stage. We're going to be on the stage with, with, the, with yeah. them all, yeah. uh, with them all, with all the whole, the whole trinity, <laughs> with uh, the trinity hanging out. But it's true. And I think, you know, the, the, the idea of the spirit being inside of us, and I actually thought of Romans 8, 11, which is one of my favorite uh, verses in regards to the Holy Spirit. It's, it says that if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So mm-hmm. the spirit of God, the spirit, the love of the father to the son, and then the love of the son to the father, the spirit of that love is within us, mm-hmm. right? And it's enabling us to actually see the beauty of who God is, mm-hmm. which is incredible. Giving us life, and that, that gives us life. And like you said, that sets us apart from other religions where it's not just this work-based thing, mm-hmm. but we actually become more alive when the spirit dwells in us. Um, let's talk about sanctification. This is the kind of the fancy word for the fact that um, we who have been regenerated, like who have accepted Jesus as our savior, so to speak, and have surrendered our lives to him. Now the spirit dwells in us and sanctifies us. Mm-hmm. Uh, in one sense, you could say that's sort of the the journey of a Christian, the, sort of the pilgrim's progress mm-hmm. um, of becoming more and more like, like Christ. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know, for both of us, we're younger, we're young adults. How do you sort of sense the Holy Spirit sort of sanctifying you on a day-to-day basis? I think that um, whenever something in my life kind of comes at me that's almost bigger than me and is just kind of out of my control, 
I think God has been using those things and the Holy Spirit to sanctify me because it actually like draws me into him more and to like find like my rest and my strength in him. What what kind of, what are the bigger things? Um, I moved out, right? So that requires like more responsibility and like prioritizing my life and prioritizing like where my finances go. And like that makes you think a bit more about, oh, my finances, like where am right. I going to get my money? <laughs> what am I going to spend my money on and stuff? And it, it makes you think of things that you would have never thought about before. Yeah. I find that every time like a new thing like that comes along, it's like that's a new opportunity where the spirit is sanctifying me in a certain yeah. way. Yeah. Um, of course, there's like other stuff too, where it's like, oh, you know, I I lied or I did this thing or whatever, and then like the spirit convicts you. Right. Um, that's more of like just a consistent repentance and just be more like Jesus. But then there's this other thing where it's like you are being revealed more yeah. as as you get older. Like yeah. the things that you thought about when you were a kid are like completely different now. Mm-hmm. And that results in you thinking about different ways that yeah. Jesus would want you to live your life out. Exactly. And I think you just touched on a good point that, you know, I don't some people don't like to think of it this way, but it's true. Like there is a mature maturing that goes on mm-hmm. in your understanding of the gospel and mm-hmm. Jesus and living kind of the life as a Christian. You know, there's maturing that goes on sooner or later after, you know, constantly being convicted by the spirit and changing your ways and allowing uh, kind of victory in Christ over many different areas in your life. The more you live that way, the the more kind of you're exercising that sort of faith muscle, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And it just sort of, you, you'll notice that more of your actions and thoughts and words, you know, the older you get, become more kind of Christ-centered and you start to recognize it more and more, which is really amazing, I find. Yeah, and also there's the verse where it talks about how even the angels long to look into the things of, like, the gospel, like, into what what Jesus did on the cross. The angels keep longing to look into because they're so fascinated by it. And that's interesting because the angels are you could almost say they're they're more wise than us in, right. this, in this moment. Right. You know, they, they do know more than we do right yeah. now about just like God and who God is, but even they long to look further into it yeah. and how there's this infinite depth to the gospel. And so if there's an infinite depth to the gospel, you can kind of always go deeper. Right. There's always going to be deeper things to sanctify in your life. Yeah. And I think that... Yeah, that naturally ties into like the seasons of life, right? Yeah. And like just as as your day comes, it's like crazy things are yeah. going to happen in your life and you're going to go and be like, I've never thought about how Jesus would want me to act on this. In and, this specific thing. And then yeah. you have to figure it out and ask and let the Holy Spirit guide you, right? And I think that's, that's important because... For instance, like when I, I think of my years at Bible college and I felt a really sense the spirit sanctifying me on a lot of external sort of things like diction and this and that very like kind of more external sort of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I think um, it's less, I mean, obviously there's still external things that God's working with me on, but a lot of it's in, a lot of internal ways, ways I'm thinking of things, thoughts mm-hmm. and internal lies, all that kind of like uh, lies from the enemy, from others. I'm working a lot of those things. And it's interesting as well that we don't always, 
feel the sanctification of the spirit. Like we're not always aware of it, mm-hmm. but it's always kind of going on in the background. And I think that's really helpful for us as young adults who, you know, we, we do have this sense of like, we want to be successful. And even in our Christian walk, like we really do want to strive for, you know, kind of have a, 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 be fervent in spirit and all those different things. And to know that day and night, like our God doesn't sleep or slumber, but he's constantly working in and through us that when we're, it's, it's just crazy to think that even in the midst of our sin, when we're lying or doing something stupid, somehow, some way, Romans 8, 28, he's still working that together mm-hmm. through the spirit for our good, for our sanctification mm-hmm. to be more like Christ, mm-hmm. which I find is just uh, incredible. Yep. Yeah. Redemption and hope yeah. in, in all things. Constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess every single action we make, whether it be disobedient or obedient to God, portrays an aspect of the gospel that's so crucial to our sanctification mm-hmm. uh, in Christ. Yeah. And I think that's that's good kind of way to wrap up this entire series where we've looked at the gospel, God, man, sin, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And to kind of say it all in one sort of thing, um, you know, the eternal God created the world and everything in it, and it was good. Mankind was included in this creation and their purpose was and still is to this day is to uh, reflect who God is to, uh, because we're made in his image. Mm-hmm. We need to reflect who God is and enjoy God. Yet, obviously, they sinned. And through that sin, uh, you know, obviously, all mankind is now sinful and will die because that is the end result of what it means to sin. Um, and obviously, God being the sort of just and righteous, eternal, perfect God, he cannot commune and sort of reconcile himself to sinful man. And that's why Obviously, in out of love for us, he gave us his son, Jesus, which we looked at uh, last week. And that shows the perfect sacrifice, which enabled us now to become reconciled and justified in God's sight. And now we sort of live this life where the spirit, what we've just been talking about all today, the spirit now prepares us for the day that, yeah, our, our, our physical bodies will die. But then there's the aspect of being glorified, getting new bodies and living forever with God and Jesus at his right hand. So... That's that's the gospel. Mm-hmm. That is the gospel in very Christianese w- terms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, totally. but I I hope through this series though I hope from people listening that they will sort of understand sort of that very basic kind of way general pulled back understanding of how those characters and understandings fit into the the whole of the gospel. Anyways, that wraps up the uh, the Indo podcast. Um, if you want to connect with us. Go to indoubt.ca. Sean actually does all the behind the scenes work there and it's mm-hmm. it's awesome. Go to backtothebible.ca too to check out John's podcast. That's yes. Every day. Every day you can listen to Dr. John. And if you like today, like his teaching, he does that every, every single day. day. Yeah. <laughs> so it's incredible. <laughs> um, so yeah, and connect with us over social media. You know the things, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We'd love to connect with you. Anyways, I'm Isaac. I'm Sean. The autonomous Sean. Mm. And uh, <laughs> this was the Indoubt Podcast. The In Doubt Podcast is a part of Back to the Bible Canada's Young Adult Ministry, In Doubt. All of Back to the Bible Canada's ministry programs and resources are created for the purpose of leading people forward in their walk with Jesus every day. For more information on all things Back to the Bible Canada, visit backtothebible.ca.